On this week's episode, there's a writer's block for the Writers Guild. We can't wait for Dune 2. And it's time for summer movie preview. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, please subscribe today and hit that notification bell so you get the latest notifications when we go live on the air with something truly fantastic, whether it's a Pop Culture Cosmos, PCC Multiverse, Basin, another tabletop RPG action game that we can decide what we want to do at any given point in time, plus awesome interviews, the state of pro wrestling, and more. Also, including our awesome show that we did this week, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, I sat down with Chris Sardieri as we talked the winners and losers of the NFL Draft, plus what about Aaron Rodgers heading to New York? So we talk about that, so go ahead and check that out. But you will only find that out if you got the latest notifications under when we go live on the air by subscribing today at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Plus, also as well, get the latest news and notes on the world of pop culture each and every day at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. Our awesome site, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Vampires and Vitae. Got a little song in my head now, thanks to Melinda. That one. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I know. Just. I know. you're welcome you're welcome yeah thanks a lot absolutely went from the star wars theme now to this theme there you go cowboy vampires indeed plus also as well wild beyond the Witchlight with wizards and wine go ahead and check out what they're doing today at those two awesome channels wizards and wine and vampires of vitae and if you could support all of that it is sincerely appreciated but it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. She's our own Princess Leia of <laughs> Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to go ahead and check out what she's doing today at popculturecosmos.com, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, YouTube. Of course, what she does for Vampires and Vitae, Vason, and also as well, Wizards and Wine. It is my good friend. It is Melinda Barkhouse Ross and Melinda May the 4th. <laughs> Be with you. And also with you. Thank you. Thank you. Rocking my Star Wars shirt there. Absolutely. I saw I have one in this closet somewhere. If I could just lay my hands on it, I'd grab it and pop it on real quick. But well, I have like ten. You know. so oh, I couldn't okay. decide whether should I wear the Rise of Skywalker or where should right. I wear the ride at Disneyland? Or should I wear my famous uh, Darth Vader selfie after uh all the dead bodies right behind it, and he takes a selfie. I thought that one's always cool. Yeah, We've got other Star Wars, got the Mandalorian. I figure, you know what? Just go rock the Classic. basic Star Wars logo. Yeah, absolutely. You can't go wrong with the OG. Absolutely, indeed. But it's going to be a great show, Melinda. Got a lot to discuss. 
something very important, obviously, with the writer's strike and how that affects you folks out there watching mm-hmm. your favorite entertainment. So we'll go ahead and talk about that on the show. Plus also as well, Xbox, after a long delay, brings out its first AAA title, really huge AAA title that they were hoping to go ahead and release today, this week to the public, but it has been uh, actually not very well received. You know what? Quite frankly, most people think it sucks. Bugs <laughs> everywhere, a lot of problems. The area itself that is that is set in is not very interesting. The story, there's not much to it. A lot of issues with it. We'll just tell you how bad it is real quick, and we'll cover on that a little bit. I know that in future episodes, I'm assuming TJ, because TJ was fighting me on it on DMs. I know Josh, when he comes back, he'll probably want to talk about Redfall. So we'll just get briefly into Redfall and the early, uh, I guess, uh, returns on that coming up here in a bit. Plus also as well, Dune 2, the trailer dropped. And oh my God, are we excited for it? So we'll go ahead and talk about that. Plus also as well, speaking of movies, with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 dropping this weekend, we're going to go ahead and open up our summer movie preview for you as well. But first, my friend, it is the writer's strike. I want to go ahead and cover that real quick if we can. The writer's strike, the Writers Guild of America, they, well, the Writers Guild Association, excuse me, they went on strike this past week. They voted overwhelmingly about 98% to go ahead on strike. The latest offer that's been presented to them by the studios was not good enough. This is about, in many cases, the fact that Streaming, with the advent of streaming, since the last time they went on strike 15 years ago, that market has changed. The way that they're being paid, most of these studios are no longer contracting them. They're trying to put them out on a case-by-case, script-by-script, storyline-by-storyline basis, like independent contractors, which, again, leaves uh, the writers, to, in, in a lot of cases, for some problematic issues in regards to you know basic health plans, food, you know, just day-to-day living. It's really hard to go ahead and continue that. So I felt that I think that they're, I think they're justified in what they're doing. And uh, I think that this is going to be one where they're going to fight for everything that they can get. Yeah, I was watching, uh, I came across it randomly on social media, but it was a a writer in Hollywood and he had a bunch of his um, royalty checks right from when the show goes into reruns and all of that stuff and he was opening them all and he was like 86 86 dollars i don't know why it's 86 dollars but 86 dollars and he opens the next one and he's like 45 dollars again i don't know why it's 45 dollars and those are from scripts that he had written for tv shows and then he goes and this one is for a song that i wrote that appeared in an episode and he opened it up and just because he had written music or lyrics the check was almost 200 dollars so he was like, I don't, I don't quite think that this is adding up to applesauce. <laughs> no, so, no. yeah, so I, I, I agree. I think that uh, because of streaming and all of the different avenues now that shows can get pushed to, um, I, I do think that they need a, a significantly larger piece, piece of the pie. These are the people that write the shows that we love. I mean, they, they should get a lion's share, if you ask me. The funniest thing in all this is the WWE quickly commented that the WGA strike would not affect them. 
because you know it, the, even though in current modern times they have a writer's room filled with writers and even if they're all contracted Vince McMahon overrides them anyways and writes the whole damn thing himself yeah yeah very true so um with that awesome mustache and the hair oh my gosh I, I still can't with that I saw him on on an interview the other day and I started to watch it I was like no Vin, I'm sorry Vince Mr. McMahon I cannot I cannot and I couldn't but, watch yeah, the interview getting- but getting back to actually seriously, <laughs> this is yeah. really serious stuff because of course. a lot of these individual writers cannot afford to go ahead and sustain themselves with prices and everything going up. And I, that's obviously everybody knows and everybody's going through the same thing on that as far as inflation and costs and things of that nature. When it comes to, though, being able to provide and something unique for the industry as far as yeah. writing is concerned, in some cases, it's a daily basis. Some cases, it's a a fact that they want to go ahead the studios and take away those writer rooms, which has been one of the most common things talked about as far as uh, the writers fighting against is the concept of the writer's room being eliminated by the studios to more of a, you do it from home, case by case, independent contractor basis, which again, frees up the money from the studios to not have to pay them on a contracted basis. So I can see why they're livid about, why they need to go ahead and protect themselves with the strike. One of the things we don't learn often, we don't understand our history and we often repeat the same things over and over. 15 years ago, the Writers Guild at that time also had an outdated contract that they were working off of. They complained about residuals from DVDs and and movies and and things of that nature. So they walked off, they went on strike for Mm -hmm. quite a spell cost the industry millions yeah. and even at that time billions in 2007 and you know what they finally got what they needed or at least to an acceptable point 15 years later the studios didn't understand that didn't get the message and even though they're all telling you on the face value oh we've got a lot of content you won't feel it for for some time to come guess what soap operas are, are going to go be going off the air or going into reruns here very shortly Late night shows are already going into reruns. Saturday Night Live has already canceled its last three shows. I'm already feeling it already, Melinda. Yeah, it's and it's one of those things I think that uh, we as consumers of this entertainment truly do take for granted. And now uh, we're, I mean, if you didn't, if you don't remember going through this 15 years ago, find a hobby, play some D&D, I don't know. You are going to see a ton of reruns and uh, hopefully the studios act quickly and uh, this resolves itself quickly. I think that that's what everybody would prefer. But Plus as anything we saw in production right now, movies, mm-hmm. television, uh, you know, you being from Canada affects Canada because Vancouver is a hotspot for TVs yeah. and movies being produced here in the States. If in Georgia, California, New York, all over, all those productions are being stopped from Marvel to Disney to Warner brothers to you name it. They're all being stopped. Right now in the middle of production, all that stuff, the MCU, the DC timeline, anything that you can imagine that's going on there for pop culture, that is all in question right now because of the Writers Guild strike. Yeah, and even, um, you know, some of the the reality TV shows and, and stuff like that, there's still writers for those shows. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody has to write what the narrator is talking about. Somebody has to do all of that. Um, so even reality shows are probably going to feel uh, this. And us as consumers, again, uh, of this content, uh, we'll feel it. Maybe it'll be helpful if us as consumers uh, continue to show our support to the writers and 
maybe they would panic a little bit if they started to see viewerships falling off and dropping off. I mean, it's a great opportunity coming into the summer right now. Go outside, touch some grass, support the Raiders. Well, the thing is now with broadcast, with mm-hmm. cable, mm-hmm. with streaming, with movies, other television and things of that nature, even online stuff, there is a ton of things that could be adversely affected for you know, so many different avenues that writers are actually a great part of that. You know what? It is a serious thing and is going to affect us. And it's going to affect us fairly soon, in my opinion. In fact, in some ways already. So to me, I am very concerned about this elongating itself because of the arrogance of the studios and absolutely not dealing with this in a timely manner. I think the government, either on a local basis, I know the California governor has talked about intervening in this. I know the the from an entertainment standpoint, the entertainment industry garners billions of dollars to the income to states, this country in the United States, your original country of origin in Canada, all over the world. Things yeah. could be affected as far as shooting schedules and things of that nature because of the WGA strike. So I think something needs to be intervened on it quickly before it gets too long and too late for so many things to be affected adversely by it. And I can't remember, but this just popped into my head and, and I could be fabricating something that I saw like in a show one time. So please forgive me if it's completely false, but didn't the last time this happened, didn't some of the networks go ahead and start buying more of the uh, television programs and stuff from overseas, like in England and in Great Britain and Australia and stuff like when, that? Whoever wasn't affected, whoever doesn't have WGA, yeah. you know, Writers Guild associated uh, writers on there. Yeah, they had to go ahead and get creative. The thing is now there's so many different avenues. There's so many different platforms now that need content. Yeah, that it's going to be hard for everyone to be able to sustain it and satisfy it. And that's going to be a problem for these individual studios, these individual companies that are relying on it. So even the smaller networks and outlets that are that you see on on television now or even the not even if they're not on cable or broadcast, they're even talking about the digital channels. Like when you get, you know, like Samsung television has hundreds of its own channels that they put yeah. on there what about those channels are those going to be affected by it so you know it just it it, it will affect every single part of your entertainment uh watching viewing understanding and listening so i really think that it is in the best interest for all parties aside in fact especially for the writers because it's their livelihood to go ahead and get this done as soon as possible yeah, absolutely. But, you know, it's it's not going to be just the, the writers that have to show up to the table. These studios have to be serious about it. They have to sit down. They have to uh, bargain in good faith and they have to be serious with their with their offers, really. But it is the Writers Guild strike. I do want to go ahead and add some final thoughts. This is mm-hmm. something I think that the consumer out there needs to take seriously. And I do think that they need to support the writers because so many of them are just like you and I out there day to day, paycheck by paycheck, residuals aside, a lot of this is very important to them. And I think that, again, the arrogance of the studios is going to cost them dearly unless they get something settled right away. Yeah. And I mean, nope, I don't think that anybody is immune to the knowledge of, of the struggle that everybody has gone through uh, since the lockdown happened and, and coming through COVID and stuff. We know that the studios did suffer uh, coming through that. 
uh, as did everyone else, as did economies. And, you know, this is the fallout of, of what we're seeing now. I think it's uh, people uh, understanding that the, the cost of simply existing and living has gone through the roof. And, uh, you know, the, the people that we work for, the people that uh, pay us in exchange for our money, our time and our talent uh, needs to pony up a little bit more. And that's, I think, really going across all industries. Yeah. But especially when it comes to entertainment. Goodness gracious. Uh Absolutely. So something needs to be done and need to be done ASAP. We'll keep giving you updates on the Writers Guild strike as it continues, but it is something very important that all pop culture fans, lovers of television, music, every avenue of entertainment needs to be focused on because of the fact that, again, this could be something that knowing and understanding from experience that this could take quite a while to get resolved. And I'm hoping that's not the case. But what are your thoughts on the writer's guild strike that's going on right now? Are you supporting the writers or the studios? And let us know why in the comments as well. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my friend, before we hit our summer movie preview and talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and all the good stuff that are coming behind it, I want to go ahead and hit a couple things before we hit the half-hour break, my friend. Dune 2! Yes! Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is a tasty trailer. That is a tasty trailer. I actually uh, got a chance to watch it and watch it and rewatch it and watch it and rewatch it. I watched it in 1080. I watched mm-hmm. it in 4K. I watched uh-huh. it in ultra high def 4K. Yep. And I sent you the message last night. I don't know, Melinda. I've only watched it 10 times. Should I watch it again? Yes, so, another 10 at least. Okay, I will do that. It's better that, you know, if you have an ultra HD or just it needs an, a nice 4K television, go yeah. ahead, pop it on YouTube. There you go. Uh, it's just awesome. It is the latest Dune 2 trailer for Dune 2. Came out November 3rd is the start date for that. Coming out later this year. It looks so good. Obviously, t- you know, continuing the saga for Paul Atreides. We see Timothée Chalamet, his hair, which I still think should get the top billing on there. I'm still, <laughs> I, I can't understand why that it's not getting the top billing. He's getting closer with his relationship to Zendaya. You see that start to materialize a little bit in the trailer. You also see him trying to build his reputation as a a leader of the Fremen by going ahead and riding the sandworm, which is obviously one of the most uh, beautiful parts of it. But just uh, the awe-inspiring visuals that you're already getting a taste of. We see the princess with Florence Pugh going to play a major part in this back end of, so to speak, part two of the Dune story. You're also going to see uh, Bane as well, uh, played by Austin Butler. Uh, I, I still, you know what, Austin Butler, he's going to do fantastic. It's more realistic and in tune with the book. But I'm going to tell you, Melinda, as I've told you this before, mm-hmm. I love Sting's rendition. Of Bane <laughs> the, I thought it was so over the top, cheesy, just awesome. Yeah. I think, it is, I think it's Sting's per- best performance on celluloid by far. I will kill him. I will. I will kill him. And it's just that over-the-top cheesiness that he brought to the film, which I thought made a really lame movie and corny movie, 80s-style movie, 
really something for those few minutes he was in really good. But uh, again, I need, I digress, but still Austin Butler is going to be evidently very, very scary looking and very uh, as the, as really the nephew that, you know, even beyond Batista's nephew yeah. that he've already seen him in, he's going to be even scarier than that. So your thoughts on dude too, because really the visuals, Denis Villeneuve, Really looks like he's outdone himself for Dune 2. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't even, I didn't realize the trailer was coming out this week. And, and Robbie and I just rewatched the first Dune movie uh, maybe a couple of nights ago when we went to bed. So, you know, it, it's definitely fresh in my mind. And yeah, I'm very excited uh, to see the next installment. I can't wait. Come on, November. Okay. Not that I'm wishing the summer away. but So, is okay, we always talk about what is the level that it's going to take to get you back into theaters. Will it take a Dune 2 to get you back in? Oh, goodness. I mean, I didn't see the first Dune in theaters. And that so was a crime, I'm going to tell you. Was. I saw an IMAX, and that just, yeah, that's one of the, okay, that and Blade Runner 2049, watching an IMAX was an <laughs> incredible experience. Just absolutely. Yeah. And, oh, what do you know? They're both Denis Villeneuve movies. What a coinkydink. So weird. So weird. It's almost like you're a fan of that director. Yeah. Maybe. Um. Uh, what's the one? Uh, what's the one with Jeremy Renner? Uh, oh, I don't. Yeah, know. Anyway. Arrival. Arrival. Yeah, that's yeah. not as good. But uh, he, yes, I'm obviously, in. yes. We all have better misses. Yes, that's true. But I will tell you though that I'm very excited for it. the visuals are outstanding and obviously. Mm -hmm. Okay, yes. If you've read the book, you already know. So there's not like spoilers that you don't already know about. But right. still, the way that they're patterning this out with part one and part two, that Warner Brothers, you know, they, they were still seeing if it was going to make enough money at the box office. And even with the COVID and all that, generated $400 million worldwide in the box office, which I guess was enough to warrant a sequel. But I think it was also the fact that it was considered one of the best movies of that year that it came out garnered a lot of academy awards and uh, nominations and really got to the point where there's just it necessitated a part two needing to be made yeah well i'm just yeah i'm, I'm excited for the story to continue I'm, I'm excited for uh how it looked it just continues to look amazing i loved seeing um the play where he's talking about the ocean and what the ocean is like um to zendaya's character while they yeah. overlook nothing but sand like and she can't fathom the concept of swimming yeah yeah it just it's very very cool and i'm very very much looking forward to it, it i hope by november i'll be back at the movie theater but i don't know we'll see right? but it is due to your thoughts out there are you going to go ahead and check it out are you really excited after watching the trailer the trailer is now available the link is now online at pop culture cosmos on facebook so go ahead and check it out today and let us know your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com real quickly before i get to some star wars thoughts Redfall did come out this week on Xbox and PC, and it was supposed to be the first of two or even three major releases for Xbox this year. And unfortunately, it has gotten the bad and worst word of mouth for a arcane group that has made Dishonored, among other great games in recent past, and they just blew it with this one. From the frame rate being a locked 30 frames per second which in modern times is absolutely atrocious for a first person shooter four player co-op supposed to be something that you know a lot of people are enjoying and they're not 
the glitches, uh, it, the, the, even a patch is not working for the very well. The the story is is what, what I've seen for most people is being bleh. And then, of course, uh, the interactivity with the actual city itself that you're in, Redfall, it's not very uh, inviting. It doesn't seem very busy, and, and people are having a really bad time with it. IGN just gave it a four. Its Metacritic rating is absolutely down below the charts. It's really not that very good to speak of. It is considering right now already a massive failure on the level of uh, Fallout 76 and No Man's Sky when those two games came out originally before they spent years fixing those games. And in the case of No Man's Sky especially, have made it into a great game. But then again, it took five years to do so. Your thoughts on Redfall? I mean, I'm sure you're enjoying this a little bit as a PlayStation fan, but your thoughts on Redfall? So I thought you'd go ahead and can stick the needles in my eye right now. No, now see, that's incorrect. Just because I don't like Xbox doesn't mean that I wish them poorly or unwell or, you know, bad business decisions or bad video games. That's, that's, not, that's not who I am. And Joe. this got delayed almost a year. Yeah, so it... it sometimes when these things happen i'm i'm not sure where the ball gets dropped you know obviously the last person to sign off on it probably shouldn't have done that that's uh, phil spencer yeah that definitely seems like a a bit of a, a premature launch even though it was already a year overdue then you take that and you compare it because i have to take this opportunity to talk about it but um like uh, diablo 4 they're even testing their servers next weekend they're like everybody please come and try to crash our servers because we are trying to put them to the test so when this game launches everything is good to go so it's just interesting to see you know how different companies are are approaching the release of their games and and the pre-work that they're doing to make this kind of stuff happen I'm sure that some of what they're doing with Diablo 4 is a little bit of uh, work to build a buzz for it uh, or to continue to build a buzz for it. Uh, maybe get people who aren't Diablo diehard fans, uh, you know, to pop on it and give the game a try. Uh, I'm sure that that's part of it. But um, you just, just think at this point in time with the amount of video games that we've seen launch and fail, uh, that there would be uh, like a, a higher grade that they have to test before they're able to launch on their platform i i don't know what the real solution to that is but uh whoever signed off on it oopsies yeah oopsies indeed that's the yeah. nicest way to say it this would probably be a 200 million dollar by the, when all is said and done oopsies to say the least on the ledger so it is considerably a failure right now will it get repaired or patched up to the point where it could becomes a competent game We'll wait and see, but it, the pressure is now on Xbox to produce with Starfield in September. If Starfield isn't up to snuff in September when it comes down to it, and Bethesda, you know, has a little bit of bugs here and there, although for every Elder Scrolls game that we're used to, it's, you know, that's great. They also had Fallout 76, and, we, you know, we know the story there. But I think that Starfield, also getting delayed, has to produce in September, no question about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, if you're going to delay delay your game, um, as you know, it just happens sometimes. Uh, you get behind or or whatever. You miss a deadline. It it does happen. It's frustrating when you expect a video game to drop. It gets delayed, and then it finally does drop, and it's still tragically subpar. Um, that's incredibly frustrating as a as a video game player. So uh, 
you know, I, I commiserate with that, but uh, at the same Cyberpunk time. Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, yeah, don't even get me started. I paid way too much money for the version of the game that I got, and we played it when it was terrible. I don't think we've ever touched it again. Yeah, so that's just a, an example of, of how it can really sour the, the game experience. Absolutely. So what are your thoughts out there on Redfall so far? And do you think it will get fixed? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. But before we get the half hour break, my friend, wanted to go ahead and touch on real quick since it is Star Wars Day. Mm-hmm. May the 4th be with you. I wanted to go ahead and hear some thoughts from you. There is Star Wars Visions Season 2 that dropped today on Disney+. Plus. Also as well, The Simpsons dropped a little short film on Disney+. Plus with their love for Star Wars as well. So check that out. But obviously today is a day to remember the greatness. And also Carrie Fisher got a posthumous Walk of Fame star. But your thoughts on Star Wars Day before we head to the break. It always it always feels so funny to me when they release a Star Wars movie and it's not on May 4th. Like it almost feels like it shouldn't matter what day of the week it falls on. It should just be the day that you get new Star Wars stuff. Well, the original Star Wars didn't even drop on May 4th. It's just I know, May the 4th be with you. Of You're course. Right. Yeah, it just it just feels like at this point that's now what it's they Marvel. do. Yeah. <laughs> but it just feels like that should be uh, you know, how they always approach it. Uh, the space movie that you get on May the 4th, Melinda, is Guardians of the Galaxy. Figure that yeah. one out. I, well, I mean, we've got to start somewhere, I suppose. And yes. this is apparently the best movie since Endgame. Best Marvel movie since Endgame, I well, guess. Well, that's, uh, we'll go ahead and discuss that here in a minute. But any yeah. last thoughts on Star Wars before we hit the break? And, you know, as a Star Trek fan, you're able to see things a little bit differently than most. Your thoughts on Star Wars before we hit the break? Yeah, no, I I mean, you know, in my own fandom, I, I see uh, positive and negative stuff. And you certainly see that with the, the Star Wars fandom as well. But, you know, on days like this, I think that we can we can drop the lines that divide <laughs> between Star Wars and Star Trek. And, uh, you know, we can we can all pay homage uh, to, you know, the, these movies that have had such a massive cultural impact and, and shows and, and everything like that that we continue to get. So. Uh, you know, May the 4th is, uh, I don't want to say a significant day, but it, it is a day that I don't let pass without saying May the 4th be with you to all of my Star Wars uh, diehard fans that are in my life. So may the 4th be with you as well, my friend. And also with you. Yes. And we will fight <laughs> the Empire together. Yes. As part of the Rebel Alliance. Always. You rebel scam. Please. Yeah. Okay. I have so many memories of Star Wars over the years. What are yours? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Well, my friend, we're back. And it is time now, my friend, for... The summer movie preview, as only the Pop Culture Cosmos can deliver it. It is Melinda Parkhouse Ross. Oh, man, indeed. Gerald Glassford here as well. It is starts off, of course, it seems the rite of passage now these days. We talked about May the 4th for Star Wars. It seems the rite of passage that the first weekend in May is always devoted to what Marvel movie comes out this time around. And is this time around the final installment? 
And I'm going to say the final installment because I think at some point in time, if this makes enough cash, somebody not named James Gunn will revisit the Guardians of the Galaxy in some group or formation since the Guardians of the Galaxy comic book basis that it's off of actually featured, you know, tons of different uh, individuals and superheroes as the Guardians of the Galaxy. So it is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, the last Guardians of the Galaxy movie directed by James Gunn. There is supposed to be some final appearances for some of our favorite heroes in this case, but it starts off the summer movie season as far as the box office is concerned. We just had CinemaCon a couple weeks ago. Everybody's excited now to see what goes on with Guardians of the Galaxy. They're riding high off of Super Mario Brothers, making a ton of money at the box office, over a billion dollars now worldwide. Your thoughts, though, this should obviously take the first place crown. How well do you think it will do? The reviews are eh, right now, 66 on Metacritic, as you said, greatest movie since Endgame by some. Others say they looked old and tired. Your thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? The last one was, well, the last one. Yeah, don't talk to... to me about the last one. Josh yeah. and I actually, we're in the minority, yeah. but we actually did not think very well of it. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just not going to talk about it. But um, I, <laughs> You can. I, you can no, if you want to. No, we don't, we don't need to. That's fine. But okay. I... Well, it I think sounds that, like you feel you feel the way same way we do about it. I, yeah, I just think that there have been better movies. Is all I. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's polite. So, what I am excited for for the third movie is to finally see how this trilogy is going to kind of wrap itself up. Um, I am always excited to see Groot again. That's always lovely to see him. This opportunity to. Uh, you know, taking another Marvel movie that was part of the earlier phases um, to try to carry a little bit of uh, that lightning in a bottle that they captured um, into, you know, the, these final phases of Marvel, uh, I think is a, an important move by them. And uh, I think that the movie is going to do well. I think that we've seen enough misses in terms of both the TV and movies lately that I, I think that people want this to be a good movie. And I think that Marvel needs this to be a good movie. I agree with you 100% after what we've yeah. seen. Uh, phase 5 obviously was not a very well-received or well-beloved phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe because of all the hits and misses, the introductions of so many characters a lot of people don't care about, to be quite honest with you, to be yeah. quite frank. A lot of the shows on Disney Plus did not hit with audiences. We covered them all, and we saw the reception uh, good for some and not for others and all over the place. and. A lot of people missing the old crew, the old Avengers crew from the previous films and understand that they're not going to get that anymore. I think it's kind of a burnout situation as well. We saw that reflective in the Ant-Man and the Quantumania movie, which got tepid reviews. And after initial great $100 million plus opening tanked at the box office and it was just so weird how it could have a much bigger opening than the first two animans but then ended up making less than the two animans which i don't think spoke well for the future of the mcu so the mcu is in question right now especially with james gunn now shifting his focus to dc and trying to get that going a lot of people are you know digging on flashpoint as we've discussed you and i both off and on camera they're talking about all the stuff that's coming down to play on mm -hmm. DC. DC is, you know, outside of the Shazam failure and Black Adam failures, 
they're looking like something that people may be interested in or maybe even just the superhero genre they're tired of as well. So we'll see what happens. I think you're going to have a good opening weekend, of course. It will be number one around the world. The question is, my friend, what happens next week and the next week after that and the next week after that? Yeah, 100%. I, I do expect it to do well this weekend. I, I don't think that anybody is going to be surprised by that. I think the other movies opening this weekend aren't enough uh, to really keep pace with this one. Um, I think it's going to do very, very well. And then depending on what, you know, your friends have to say about the movie it would determine whether or not you yourself go. And I think that that word of mouth uh, is going to be really important for this movie. It's not really... I mean, you listen to the critics, but, you know, critics often don't like movies that I've really enjoyed. So, you know, I kind of pay them a little bit of lip service, but that's about as far as I take it there. But if I have a friend who's gone to the movie and has been like, yes, you need to go and see it absolutely right away, then I'm a little more apt to go and see the movie. So I'm hoping that they get some really good uh, word of mouth uh, that starts to circulate from it. I still think you could have a strong two weeks. It's just when Fast X, and as we'll start this now, we're going to go ahead and take a look at the rest of the major movie releases till about the end of August. Let's go and roll with that, if that's okay with you. That's considered, I guess, the summer movie season. I think the end of August, I think we'll go ahead and call there, because we've got to remember, August was a dead month until Guardians of the Galaxy, the original, came out in 2014 and surprised mm -hmm. everyone. And they realized then that they could make money in August. So we'll see what happens there. But leading into the, obviously, this weekend with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, the next major release after that, because all respect to the ladies of Book Club, uh, all respect to Blackberry, that comedy there, you could see some maybe some, some nice returns as far as, you know, in the teens, in the 20s maybe, as far as millions of dollars. But... Nothing pops out until you get to, of course, family, 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 <laughs> family, family, family with Vin Diesel and Fast X on the 19th. Your thoughts on Fast X. Are you excited to see the 10th chapter of the Fast and Furious? I don't think I've seen a Fast and Furious movie past the sixth one. <laughs> Honestly, I I got lost. Yeah, I've seen all of them, yeah. and I still get lost. There's, yeah. there's no cohesive storyline. Although this one with Jason Momoa, according to the trailers, I think he is a relative or something. Ha you know, he's related to the uh, what is it? The the Overlord of or the the guy that was in charge running the country. Uh, it was it Fast Five, I think it was, where there was in, it was a Columbia, Bogota, Colombia that it was in just so many years ago with that one. Somehow he's connected to that because you see that in the trailer, them retroactively putting him in and being retroactively involved in the events. I think of Fast Five. It's, it's something that, again, it's all about cars and family, 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 and how Vin Diesel can drive a car in certain places no other human on the planet can. He drives the car on the side of a dam in this one. So, yeah, okay. All There's right. no question. You have to really be able to suspend they already reality. Went into space. Yeah, you really have to suspend reality when you're watching these movies. There's, there's no question about that. Yeah, like physics, not a thing. It's okay. just not a thing. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not a thing. So no. it's going to be something very interesting <laughs> to see, my friend. But I'm interested yeah. to see Fast X is does still does pretty good here in the States, but it is a huge moneymaker overseas. 
So I'm curious to see how that translates against a you know the residuals from Super Mario plus Guardians of the Galaxy. So I'm interested to see how that hangs out. But it is Fast X coming on the 19th. After that is Memorial Day weekend and a movie that I'm really, really interested in hearing more as far as how well it does is the live action version of The Little Mermaid by Disney. Your thoughts on this as far as do you think this movie will have some really good legs as the next family movie after Super Mario Brothers? I think so. I I think it's going to do very well. I I really do. I think that uh, there is, uh, again, you know, an incredible amount of nostalgia with The Little Mermaid from the animated movie. And I think that uh, people are optimistic about what they've seen so far from The Little Mermaid, including all of the uh, the cast uh, photos and all of that stuff that, that were released, all of the different posters and, and all of that kind of stuff, the stuff that we heard about from CinemaCon, you know, things uh, seem like it's going to be a great little movie and absolutely one that you should have on the list to take the family to go see. So is there anything else in May that you are looking at that you think might be a little indie hit or might be a surprise, anything that's there that might actually be of interest that you think might get people, you know, going obviously not to the level of fast X or the little mermaid or guardians of the galaxy, but something you think that might be a little bit of a hit for the uh, studios out there. It was actually a trailer that I saw for the first time this morning uh, as I was scrolling through to get my social media caught up for the morning. Um, The Wrath of Becky Mm -hmm. comes out uh, the same weekend as The Little Mermaid. Uh, But Mm -hmm. The Wrath of Becky, I I don't know. I I saw the trailer this morning and I went, huh, I'd probably see that. So we'll see what happens, but it is the month of May. We go into the month of June now right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is... Melinda Barkhouse-Ross and me, Gerald Glassford, thanks so much for watching and listening. We're doing our summer movie preview. We go into the month of June, and it starts off with June 2nd. The major release on that weekend is a movie I'm very excited for because I thought the first movie was truly sensational. It was the best animated feature. It was actually mm-hmm. won over any Disney or Pixar movies that year. It came out, won the Oscar for it, and this is the sequel. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, where this movie gets so fun, gets so creative. I really like what I've seen so far from it. Your thoughts on Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse? Yeah, I think that there's absolutely an appetite for this movie in particular. I've probably watched, you know, the first animated Spider-Man with dealing with the multiverse and all of that stuff. I've probably watched it four or five times at this point. And uh, I enjoy it more, I think, every single time that I watch it. So, Uh, This is definitely another one that I'm going to have my eye on for sure. I'm looking forward to it, my friend. I really, really think that something really is going to be good happening there. One of the things, though, I want to ask you when it comes to Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse is how are they going to be able to blend in all the good stuff that they did, but all the good stuff that's out there that's already been made in the Spider-Verse live action with Tom Holland? Uh, well, I mean, this is this is why we need to be paying our writers more money because they come up with creative solutions for things exactly like that. Um, so I'm going to continue to put my faith in the writers of these movies, and I'm going to believe that they're going to have found a way uh, to really kind of bring everything together and bring everything in and, and make everything mwah, perfect chef's kiss. The next weekend after that, 
June the 9th. Transformers Rise of the Beast is the major release during that period of time on that weekend. Also as well, Strays is a live action featuring voice cast of dogs. And then basically it's going to be an adult movie for that one with Strays with Will Ferrell and Jamie Foxx, I should say, on that one. But also that same weekend is Transformers Rise of the Beast. I have not been excited at all about Transformers since, well, ever. I've actually seen <laughs> a couple of them and, you know, they follow a formula and they're very popular, like the Fast X movies. They're so smart in how they do these things because they know that they garner international audience. International audiences know what they like and they like the Transformer movies. The movies, the Transformer movies have, have had residual declining res- returns over the years, gave it a little bit of, br- of a breather. But this one, with your favorite of mine, Michelle Yeoh, is one of the voice actresses in there. Pete Davidson, Peter Dinklage, Ron Perlman. You know, Paramount didn't, you know, they, they paid out the, the, the money out there to get some voices in there for some of these characters, I'm assuming. So this may or may not bring me back into watching another Transformers movie. Yeah, I I I enjoyed the first Transformer movie uh, quite a bit, actually. I, I thought it was a fun movie to watch. It uh, gave, you know, all the feels that you needed to for nostalgia. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I just don't know that uh, the Transformer stuff is going to be able to really kind of hold my interest. I think I would go see Strays before I would go see the new Transformers movie on the weekend. If, Str- and, if and Strays that. is funny, I'm hoping the, the material, like you said, the writing. Because yeah. this is going to be all about the writing since it's basically dogs with, you know, the animated voices behind it. So we'll see. And again, the Transformers, a lot of that will be live action actors, you know, acting against Transformers, again, with voices in there as well. So we'll see mm-hmm. what happens. The next weekend after that is a key weekend, I think, June the 16th, because you have Pixar's Elemental versus The Flash. Yeah. So I want to hear your thoughts. We've talked about The Flash Normally, we would be very excited about The Flash, but we're trying to temper our enthusiasm, to be honest, after what Ezra Miller has done and gone as far as the legal troubles that Mm -hmm. they have been. So your thoughts on this and that Pixar, they had a good and they had a bad year. Turning Red was so sensational. And then what they came after that with Lightyear was not so sensational. Obviously, they, they heard a lot about it. And, I, you know, again, I'm rooting for them to hit a home run with Elemental. Yeah, I think Elemental uh, looks like a a great movie. It reminded me a lot of what we were seeing with Inside Out. The animation looks very close to that. So um, I'm already intrigued by that movie. It's hard right now because with the Flash movie, you're really kind of hearing unanimously that it is a really great film. And, uh, you know, Michael Keaton uh, back as Batman. Of course, you want to go see that on the big screen. The question of Ezra Miller and everything that's going on with them is really forefront in in the minds of a lot of people and uh, questioning what is it about Ezra Miller that makes everything that they've done and everything that's happened around them okay, but when other things happen with other actors, uh, it's an immediate, no, you're not doing this anymore, sorry. They're almost immediately fired. So I'm conflicted about The Flash. I, I truly am. Everything I've seen, again, is just saying that it's a great movie, but I don't know that I want to support that because of everything that's been happening around Ezra Miller. And like we've said before, we really do hope that they're getting all of the help that they need. And, you know, if that's what needs to be done, then I hope that that's 
you know, something that is being done for them or uh, being done with all of the good intentions and all of the best intentions. You don't want to see somebody continue to suffer, that's for sure. So I do hope that they're getting the help that they need. And perhaps we'll see a redemption arc from Ezra Miller. Who knows? Thanks for checking out the PCC, you know, the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. The next weekend after that, the June 23rd, a movie that I'm really rooting for, you know, it's going to have its audience. It is uh, Wes Anderson's latest film, Asteroid City. And if you've not seen the trailer yet, you're missing out. Tom Hanks and a ton of great actors and actresses are involved in this one. And you know, it is quirky as ever. If you've seen the trailer, you know what I'm talking about. I know there's also another comedy with Jennifer Lawrence, who I think is at this point in time getting back in the groove as far as trying to be a leading lady once again. I really think that she needs to find the right role once again, because I still think she has a lot left to give to the audience out there. I don't think no hard feelings for what I've seen is going to do it, because I don't think in advance word on that has been great. But we'll wait and see. I'm wishing her the best, though. I'm not expecting a no hard feelings or Asteroid City to reap the box office because Wes Anderson movies never really do, but they have their own audience, my friend, as far as Wes Anderson movies are concerned. And I think this will fit the bill for sure. Yeah, I I agree. I I think that the, you know, it may not be the box office winner, but it's uh, it will definitely be in the top five for a couple of weeks, I think. Oh, absolutely. But I think it will find its own audience. I mean, and the fact that all these great actors and actresses, they love working with Wes Anderson. You can tell that's how he's able to get that laundry list of just Hall of Fame actors involved in there. And just, you know, the ones that keep on doing his films time after time. And it's just because they love working with him. And that comes across to me most on the screen as well. So I'm looking forward to it. I know you are as well. The next weekend, the end of June, June 30th, there is really only one movie I think that's really going to get everybody to back to the theaters by then, and that's Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It does look good. It's going to be the final installment ever for Harrison Ford. He has said he's not going to be involved in the TV show or any other future movies relating with the Indiana Jones name. This is it for him, and if that's the case, it looks like it's going to go out with a bang because even Steven Spielberg has said that Man, and I thought I was the only one who could make Indiana Jones movies. <laughs> Perhaps a little bite of humble pie there. For, I was for paraphrasing, Indiana. but that's basically what he said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. July 7th, Joyride might be something that's getting a lot of interest, especially Stephanie Sue coming off Everything Everywhere all at once and her tremendous performance there. Yeah, I watched it uh, the other day with my family and they absolutely loved it and adored her performance. So... Hopefully with Joyride, she can continue that. Insidious following for as far as for horror, that could actually earn some bucks at the box office. Insidious, the red door. So definitely 
look forward to that one if you're an individual that loves their horror movies. The next movie that I see coming is going to be July 12th, something you and I are not going back and forth on that I am super excited for. It's one of my top five excited films for this summer, and that is Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. The Part 1 of the Part 2 saga, because everything has to be stretched out for final movies. Of course. Fast and Furious does it, and so can Mission Impossible. Well, if it's good enough for Vin Diesel, it's good enough for Tom Cruise. Come on now. Crazy stuff aside, it's Tom Cruise doing Tom Cruise stuff right there. I'm looking forward to it. The trailer looked good. I've been excited to go ahead and check this one out. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. That comes out July 12th. After that, to July 21st, two movies that couldn't be more opposite of each other in Barbie (laughs) and Oppenheimer. Your thoughts on this? I'm hoping both will do well. If you tell me right now which one's going to do better... I don't know which one's going to do better, but I'm just hoping both do well. I think Barbie is going to do better. I am hearing nothing but positive, good stuff about the Barbie movie. So uh, that's my money is on Barbie for that weekend. Okay. It is a Christopher Nolan movie on the Oppenheimer. So. Oh, yeah. Please don't get me wrong. I really want to see Oppenheimer. I really do. I think it looks really fantastic, but I just don't think that you can beat Barbie. Okay, well, the weekend after that, July 28th, it is Sympathy for the Devil, which is Nicolas Cage. And even though we love Nicolas Cage, he has not fared well in his movies that have been, you know, that put him back in the spotlight. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Renfield and some other movies, you know, you know just, just really not fared well for him since he came back to be a leading man once again. So I'm wishing him well on that one. Haunted Mansion. That's the recreation of the Haunted Mansion ride and the Haunted Mansion movie that's been done before by Disney. I don't have high hopes for this one, but I bet you it will probably do pretty good just because the Disney juggernaut. Your thoughts on Haunted Mansion facing off against Nick Cage and Sympathy for the Devil? Yeah, I think probably Haunted Mansion is going to do all right. You know, I think enough people have been to Disney, enough people have been on the ride and and all of that stuff. So I think taking a ride and turning it into a feature film is an interesting, uh, interesting uh, take on things, I suppose. And talk to me uh, from A24. We should never doubt A24 movies ever again. If any movie that I've seen during the course of the summer from A24 might hit, it might be that one. So go ahead and you want to check out the trailer for that one as well. But before we head it out, my friend, August comes around. August is <laughs> the return of the Meg to the Trench. Your thoughts on that? Plus also as well, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. That's going to be an animated with, with, with John Cena, Rose Byrne, Paul Rudd. I think that's the one, Giancarlo Esposito. I think that's the one that Seth Rogen is overseeing. So your thoughts mm-hmm. on TMNT, Mutant Mayhem, and the Meg too, with Jason Statham returning to his main role, fighting the mega shark. I do love me some Jason Statham, no matter who he's fighting. I have enjoyed his movies since the very first time I saw the transporter. I was like, who is this guy? And how do I see more of him? And thankfully Hollywood listened and has put him in a whole bunch of stuff, including movies like the Meg. I think that he truly understands the kind of movie that this is. And to me, as a, somebody who's watching it in the audience, uh, just knowing that Statham is kind of in on the joke. Um, you know, it just makes the movie that much more enjoyable for me. Anything that appeals to you on some of the movies that are coming out the rest of that month, including Gran Turismo, which, you know, as a video gamer, I told you I would support any video game adaptation. 
this one is going to be really hard for me to to go ahead and stretch the imagination on where a guy who's a top level Gran Turismo from the PS5 suddenly gets put into a racing team and he goes through the trials and tribulations there. Yeah. A lot of it already from the trailer looks like it's stuff that's ripped out from other racing movies of its kind. So I'm not really high on that one, but it's in a, a back end of the summer movie lots of summer. So Sony is looking forward to seeing if they can get some money off of it. Another movie that you want to consider is blue beetle, which might be an underrated part of the DC universe. People have talked about this. This was actually a movie that was slated to go on HBO max. The guys and gals behind Warner Brothers actually like this movie so much, they put it out in August, right on August 18th, as a box office movie out in the theatrical release. So that one tells you that they think very highly of it. Hopefully fans will as well. Finishing out the month, my friend, before you get to the Equalizer 3 in September, White Bird is going to be something that if it does well with the critics could gain a nice following. Golda, same thing. Both are Helen Mirren <laughs> related movies, as you can see, because you see it's funny because Golda with Helen Mirren, then you see White Bird with Helen Mirren. Could <laughs> either of these Helen Mirren or could Blue Beetle something else in August stick out? Because again, August is either usually a death time for movies or the time when a movie could surprise the box office like Guardians of the Galaxy did nine years ago. My fingers are crossed that The Last Voyage of the Demeter is going to be a really good movie. You know, good I have choice. a soft spot. Yeah, I have a soft spot for my vampire flicks, obviously. But my fingers are crossed that uh, this one will be a good one. But if you have thoughts out there on any movies we mentioned, or is there a surprise movie that you think we should talk about between the months of May and the end of August for suburb movies, please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, you killed it again. We're back at the box office. We're going to the theaters. At least I'm going to try and get you at some point in time. <laughs> Maybe it won't be until November the 3rd with Dune 2, but mm. we've got to get you back in there. Yeah, so, I agree. Uh, I'm going to find text Rob. Hey, Robbie, <laughs> get, her, get her a tub of popcorn beforehand. Yes. Any last thoughts before we head on out, my friend? So this coming Sunday, we finally get the team back together. So we'll be wrapping up Vason this weekend. And then uh, we'll be getting into Forbidden Lands for about four, maybe five weeks. Uh, and then we're going to jump into season three of Vampires and Vitae. For Wizards and Wine, we're getting back to the Wild Beyond the Witchlight. I've got uh, Halifax coming up on Monday, then the Vegas table the week after that. We were dark this week with the Vegas table because it was Robbie's birthday. And we had a hey. Rob. Yeah, we had a Bob Ross birthday party where we all got together and painted some Bob Ross paintings. <laughs> So that's going to be up on our social media if you're interested at all in checking that out. It was actually very, very fun. Highly encourage you to do it. I just wanted to make sure and let you know, I, I hope Robbie had a fantastic birthday. He is such an awesome individual. I appreciate you and him being such a great part of what we do here and wanted to thank you so much for everything. Again, wishing him a belated happy birthday as well. Yes, absolutely. And of course, happy birthday to you from both of us. Oh, no worries. I appreciate it. It's just a year older and a year dumber. That's all I say. That's all there I it say. is. There it is. Those are goals, man. Yes. They say with age comes wisdom. If that's the case, I still don't know where mine's at. Maybe mine is well, still in transit. Yeah, your wisdom can go up and your intelligence can go down. That's a thing. Well, I feel like it's an Amazon package that's still on delay that might have gotten lost. Sure. You forgot to order it on Prime, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. See, there you go. Wisdom it happens. Indeed. 
<laughs> so for Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glasser. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day.